Pastor George tonight, so I have to explain. George doesn't protect the pulpit and not let anyone else in. He said to the elders that any of us can preach if we like to, and some of them declined. <laughs> I have no idea why. Uh, so I, I volunteered to do it this evening, and so I'm glad to be here. Last Sunday night, I led in a service at the retirement home, a nursing home where I'm a chaplain in Paris at Telfer Place, and we did our traditional blue Christmas service. Uh, I called it a blue Christmas service because it acknowledges that for people, many people, Christmas is a downtime. There are many reasons for that. And so we give people permission to not feel like they want to celebrate like everyone else. Because Christmas comes at the worst time for some people. One writer in the Daily Bread, and you may have read it recently, describes the bad timing of Christmas for her. She said it was the week before Christmas, only two months after my mother died. Holiday shopping and decorating sat at the bottom of my priority list. I resisted my husband's attempts to comfort me as I grieved the loss of our family's faith-filled matriarch. I sulked as our son stretched and stapled strands of Christmas lights onto the inside walls of our home. Without a word, he plugged in the cord before he and my husband left for work. Maybe you've been there. Maybe that's where you are right now. While others around are enjoying the sights and the sounds and the smells of the season, there are people around us, even beside us, who do not feel what we feel. You may be one of those people who find it difficult to have this upbeat spirit that seems to be expected of everyone. Christmas is just a bad timing for you this year. could be because of financial reasons. It might just be that you're really feeling sad or lonely. Or you might be thinking of someone who's not here anymore, perhaps the first Christmas, or a family member that can't be here. It might be that physically it's just a bad time for you. It takes the joy out of celebrating. It could be a painful time relationally. Uh, you may be hurting from someone who said something or did something. You might be grieving a fractured friendship or a partnership or a family. And all these things add up to make Christmas bad timing for you. If not for you, it may come. It will come. It's part of life. But you and I are not alone. And even the timing of the birth of Jesus made it difficult for Mary and Joseph. You see, we, we are so used to this cute little story, we get sanitized and sterilized and, and it's just something far and removed from us. But I'd, I'd like us to look at the, put ourselves in their shoes if you were. And think about it. The pregnancy of Mary could have felt like bad timing for them. And you know the story if you know the scriptures. They were committed to each other and they were to be married at some time in the future, perhaps a year away, certainly several months. So their days were filled with hopes and dreams of a young couple counting the days 
until their wedding. In the meantime, they were preparing for that wedding. Joseph would be preparing the home that they would live in. And then one day, Mary's world was turned upside down. Now, you have to appreciate, this is probably a 13 or 14-year-old teenager. That's common time when, when girls were promised to husbands. And the angel of God came, which was shock enough, and explained that she's going to become, become pregnant by an act of God. And it was going to happen right away, before they were married, and there would be no human involved in it. Now, that certainly would have seemed like bad timing for Mary. Being a virgin was expected and required if you were going to be married. It was grounds for severing that commitment to be married. What would the community say when they found out? What would her family and friends say? And most of all, what would Joseph say? And then when Joseph found out much later, in the second trimester, when he found out much later that she was pregnant, it was more than bad timing for him. At first, her unexplained pregnancy was an embarrassment and a huge problem for him. He was an honorable, moral, godly, upright man, and her pregnancy would contradict everything that he stood for. And so he had many sleepless nights, wondering what he should do to clear his name. And he was so stressed that he made up his mind to call the marriage off, to have a legal separation or divorce. That was his right as a Jew and according to the law. That is, until God's angel explained to him in a vision that this was God's way of bringing the Savior into the world. He was told to take Mary home to be as as his wife. And the angel told him to name the baby Jesus, for he would save his people from their sins. So Joseph, who trusted God in all of this, took her as his wife right away. And now, it was a quick wedding and a honeymoon spent at home. They were enjoying life together, even though they were considered a scandal in their hometown, something that followed them for the rest of their life. But the burden of this was lifted by what God was doing through the pregnancy and Mary's child that was on the way. They looked forward, as a young couple, to being parents, of not just being parents, but being parents to the Holy One from God, the Messiah, as they understood that was the prayer and the hope of every young lady in Jerusalem or in Judea that they might have the privilege of being the mother of Messiah. And that became Mary's privilege. So things were comfortable. Life was as good as it could be. That is, until another bombshell dropped. The governing authorities, as we know, decided, made a decision that meant Joseph would have to take a trip to his tribal home in Bethlehem. And that trip could have felt like terrible timing. The Roman ruler announced that every person had to go to the place of uh, their family's tribal roots to register for this count, the census that he'd ordered. Joseph's hometown was in Bethlehem. It was bad enough that Bethlehem was three or four days trip on foot from their village of Nazareth, but Mary was in her last months of pregnancy with the soon-to-be-born Jesus. Joseph couldn't leave her at home. So they packed up for this unplanned trip and left Nazareth for the trip down south to Bethlehem, 
What a bad time to make a trip, to have to make a trip. What an uncomfortable condition for Mary to be in to travel, either walking or riding on an animal. But they had no choice, so off they went to Bethlehem. And their arrival in Bethlehem must have seemed like unfortunate timing. When they arrived, the the town was bursting at the seams because all the rest of Joseph's tribe of Judah had come from the census from all over the Roman Empire. There were thousands of people there. And every possible living space was taken up, as we know. There was no room in the inn for them, as the scriptures say. The only place they found was in an animal shelter on the edge of town. And the birth of Jesus in that place, in that animal shelter, must have seemed like unwelcome Unwelcome timing. Why did it have to be there? What a humbling place to have to give birth to the Savior of the world, the Son of God, the Creator. But that's where the young virgin delivered her first child without the the help of a midwife or any other experienced family member. And from the human perspective, from the ground level, everything could have seemed to be bad timing for Mary and Joseph. But we know there's God's perspective, and that's that's the real picture. Because the birth of Jesus was not bad timing in God's plans. In fact, it was perfect timing. And this scripture verse that we have on the screen is from Galatians 4.4. 4. In the fullness of time, God brought forth his son, born of a woman. Now, a couple of other translations say it this way. When the set time had fully come, God sent his son. Or when the right time came. God sent his son born of a woman. And this verse in Galatians 4, 4 is the watershed point in the history of God dealing with his people. In this scripture text, Paul says the arrival of God's son in human form was God's chosen time to free those who had been living under the rule of the Old Testament law of Moses, to redeem them that we might receive the full rights of being sons of God. So it was God's chosen time. He had set the timetable for the arrival. This was not a last-minute arrangement. This had been set in the ages past. And so Mary's pregnancy was right on schedule in God's plans. Uh, The trip to Bethlehem was a fulfillment of prophecy made hundreds of years before that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. The first Christmas came in God's time, and it was perfect. The Apostle Peter says, with the Lord one day is a a thousand years, and a thousand years is just as one day. And someone has said this, God has his own sense of timing. He has perfect timing. Never early, never late. God is never in a hurry, but he's always on time. Mary and Joseph understood that all these things happen in God's perfect timing. And so, that put a different spin on everything. It colored everything uh, from God's point of view. They knew that God was in the picture. God had sent his angel to tell them. There was no question about it. Things began to make sense. All those little details, the, the trip and, and every detail that happened. They came to understand that not only was God in the picture, but he was fully involved in these events. And even the timing of the pregnancy and the trip to Bethlehem. Even the birth of the Messiah, hidden 
from curious onlookers or Herod, the paranoid Jewish ruler who would seek to destroy him. And they knew that they could trust God, they could trust themselves to the Lord about everything. Her pregnancy before marriage, their trip to Bethlehem in her last months, and giving birth in the crude animal shelter. Now fast forward until today, where you and I sit, what we face today. Christmas may be bad timing for those of us who find this time of year difficult and challenging. And that's okay if it is. In fact, we find out that many things in life seem to be bad timing, don't they? But we can take a page out of Mary and Joseph's life story. We too can believe that God is in the picture and whatever we are going through. Now, I know that's hard to get our heads around sometimes, but that's that needs to be our North Star. God is always in the picture. We're not alone. We're not on our own. God is a very present help in time of trouble. He never leaves us or abandons us. And the second thing, like Mary and Joseph believed, we can also believe that God is fully involved in our lives in what we are dealing with. Now, we didn't say God causes everything, but he's fully involved. Mary and Joseph not only only believed it, but they trusted themselves to God's purposes and what was going on in their lives. Think of Mary. Mary submitted herself to God in childlike faith. She didn't hardly ask any questions, just a couple of questions. Uh, This miraculous conception, which she had never heard of before, about being single, about being pregnant, about being the mother of the coming Son of God, what did she say? I am the Lord's servant. It's okay with me. Paraphrasing what she said. And Joseph submitted himself to God in man-like faith when the angel explained Mary's pregnancy to him. He immediately took Mary into his home and life as the angel told him to do. The angel said, uh, the scriptures say when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Didn't matter what the people would say or the neighbors or even their parents. That was manlike faith. And Mary and Joseph stand as ordinary people like you and I who model what it means to take God into our lives and our situations without reservation. There's only one thing that gets in the way of doing that. Only one thing that stands between us fully embracing God in our lives and in our situations. It's when you and I focus on ourself and make everything about us. But our wants, our dreams, our comfort, our happiness. Mary and Joseph did not let themselves get in the way of what God wanted them to do. In, and, in them and through them. They, they laid down all their personal interests for the sake of the Savior that came into the world. It was God's arrangements. They could trust him. And that is just what Jesus Christ chose to do in being born of a woman. Jesus laid aside all the glory he shared with the Father in heaven from the eternal past. It was not about his comfort 
and his glory, he left the presence of the Father and began to live on earth in the womb of a teenager. In effect, he became a nobody. And then, as we know, as a young adult, in his 30s, the Son of God took all of the world's sins on himself. He submitted to the cruel death of crucifixion, laid down his life as a sacrifice for our sins, and experienced eternal separation from God for us while he hung on the cross. He did it all for you and for me. And that's the way that God calls each of us to take. First, God asks us to lay down our way of trying to get his approval and eternal life. It's the human wiring that makes us think somehow we can do enough that God will say, you're okay and you can have heaven. It's not about us trying to do do our best. It's about admitting to God that we do not have a best to give to God. There's nothing that we can give to him that makes us acceptable to him. That is, of ourself. All of us fall terribly short of even getting remotely close to what God requires. We're lost sinful beings in his presence on our own. And that's why we need the Savior. That's why the Father sent the Son to come to our world. That's what Christmas is about. This Christmas we can reach out in our need of the Savior and receive the gift of eternal life. There is a gift with your name on it under the tree at the cross. Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's you. That's me. And if you have yet to call on the Lord to save you, to forgive you and give you eternal life. This Christmas would be a good time. And I urge you to do that. The second way that God calls us to take is to lay ourselves before him and say, God, it's not about me, it's about you. It's giving up the rights of what we want our personal agenda and comfort. And tonight the Lord reminds us that he is worthy of our trust. He is in the picture and he is involved in our lives. And we can put ourselves in his hands and do things his way and for his glory. That's a choice that you and I have to take. And I would ask the question, will you choose to see God in the picture in your life? and in what you're going through right now. And will you choose to see that God is involved in your life right now? Even though it looks may look upside down or scary, you can choose to see him involved in your life. I began tonight with a story about this woman whose mother had died two months before Christmas. Uh, she made a choice to change her focus on herself to the Lord. Remember, her son had plugged in the Christmas lights before they left the house. And she was in a terrible, uh, grieving and despondent, uh, un-Christmas spirit. And after her husband and son left, the Christmas lights were on and she says, as the colorful bulbs 
blinked. God gently, gently drew me out of my darkness. And no matter how painful the circumstances, my hope remains secure in the light of God's truth, which always reveals his unchanging character. What she said is she got her focus off of herself and she got it on him. That's what Christmas is about. The creator of the universe, who has created all the galaxies and is the controller of all of the galaxies. God's word promises us that we can trust him to lift us up and carry us through the difficult times in life. And this verse from Isaiah is something that many Christians have hung on to as they've worked their way through life. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. God's grace is totally adequate for everything we face. When we get to talk to Mary and Joseph, or if we were to talk to them tonight, they would tell us, they would tell us that very same thing. And they would tell us that God's timing was perfect and his grace was more than enough. My wife and I believe that. And we seek to live by that. And may each of us experience that tonight. Would you take a moment to reflect in prayer? Lord God, you know our hearts, our minds, you know what's going on in our life, what lies ahead that we may not even be aware of. We come to lay ourselves at your feet again tonight to trust you with everything, to see you in the picture, and to believe that you're involved in our life. Thank you that we can trust you unreservedly, and we do in Jesus' name. Amen.